Right now with Talk Talk, you can speed up and spend less on broadband. Out of contract on Superfast Fibre? W Speed and save £134 on average by switching to Talk Talk Full Fibre 150. Just £32 a month for 24 months. Gets ultra fast full fibre, average speeds of 152 megabits per second, plus the world class Amazon Aero router. Switch to Full Fibre 150 and save £134 on average. Search Talk Talk Full Fibre for deals that make sense sense. Talk Talk. CPI plus 3.7% annual increase from April 2023. Average saving on full fibre 150 versus competitors publicly available out of contract fibre 65 equivalent on 18th July. Ends 9th November, 9.95 PMP, subject to local availability. For a long time, I've been having people ask me, you know, you've had Wildman on your podcast and he's got this massive playlist, but where's all your other co-defendants? Some people are even saying, them, you're making all this up. You guys didn't even do all this extra traffic in Arizona, blah, blah. You were never in competition with Sammy the Bull, blah, blah, blah. Right. We've got our second guest here today from New York after John Elites, the Gambino hitman, who we published a month or so ago. May 16th, 2002 was a very important date in all of our lives. I got up that morning, get on the computer, next thing, Bang, 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 bang on the door. Jump up, look out the peephole. It's blacked out. 10P Police Department, we got a warrant. Open the door, open the door. Now, I had about 200 people working for me at the peak of it. And they arrested the co-defendants in order of seniority. And there was about 100 co-defendants ended up in Sheriff Joe Arpaio's jail. And we're going to get to the female experience in Sheriff Joe Arpaio's jail in this podcast. Now, in the first group of co-defendants, there was 13, and they said these are the heads of the crime family, the the most powerful people in the criminal syndicate. (laughs) Didn't you do well? (laughs) The the top of the conspiracy, the evil leaders of the criminal enterprise. And on that day we were busted, our dear friend Angel, who's come out here from New York today, she was back in Arizona back then, her house, there was a lot of the parties there and a lot of the craziness went down and she's here to give you her testimony today. So thank you for coming all this way to England. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Angel's very pretty, but she can kick ass. <laughs> <laughs> she's like a James Bond supervillain. She can fly <laughs> helicopters and do prison escapes. So let's just start with May 16th, 2002, because I've given it such a big, big build up. What were you doing on that day? Same thing happened to us. Um, SWAT was at the door, banging on the door. I was making bacon that morning, I remember. <laughs> I had a fork in my my hand, and they came in with semi-automatic weapons and told us to drop the fork. It was just us girls. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> drop the fork! Yeah. Uh, it was me. Somebody else. I had a guest over not related to the situation yeah um so did you drop the fork i dropped the fork <laughs> yeah. and did you see all those guns that they just open out like and fanned out and then they're all pointing the guns yelling at you guys or yeah. a bit easy on you no they weren't easy on us um they had their black masks on their semi-automatic weapons and i mean i i guess that's what happened <laughs> that's what happened how did you feel when they came in I'm like, this is a mistake. I'm pretty sure you're not here for me. (laughs) I haven't done anything. (laughs) So, yeah, just we hadn't done anything. (laughs) We're just partying, having a good time. Where did they take you next? 
um, to uh, county jail. Did you to go to booking. Tempe first to get booked yeah, in? Yeah, Tempe booking. So just, can you describe that process? Uh, it was just me, wild woman, uh, and this other girl. I can't remember her name. ADD? Yes. Oh, yeah. Andrea. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I had to get to work. I was supposed to be at work at the bank. <laughs> and um, I, I told them I needed to call the bank. And um, they're like, no, you're not allowed to call anybody. And was waiting for them to let me out, honestly. So, all right. So you, you're in the, like, were you in a police car to get to that Tempe police station? Was you in like a van? Um, just a car. And were the cops saying anything to you? Like, were they asking you for your name and things? Yeah, they were asking me all sorts of things. And they're like, oh, we're, we already know the answers to all this, but just want to ask you anyways. Had they told you your charges at that point? No. So, okay. So, all right. So you're in the cell with the female prisoners. And what are you guys discussing? Like, what's going on? How are we going to get out of here? <laughs> um, or do you think they'll just let us out after we see the judge? Yeah, it was, I'd never been in trouble before. I never, never even had a ticket or anything like that. So, Yeah, a lot of our co-defendants, because we had the organization structured as a corporation, and we had different divisions, and... Everybody had legal benefits. So if you were arrested individually, this is how the cops outsmarted us. If you were arrested individually, we assigned you a lawyer, we gave you bail money. And if you had no criminal history, like Angel is describing, usually we could get you out on bail bond. And you usually wouldn't even get any prison time. But the cops were one step ahead on this occasion. They arrested all of us in these groups until there was over 100 of us in the jail. Now, a lot of us had chilled out from the activity in the months leading up to the SWAT team raids. So like, as Angel says, she wasn't doing anything naughty that day. Um, I'd quit the, I hadn't been importing ecstasy for a year. And um, so a lot of us were thinking we got away with it. I was thinking I got away with it because they hadn't actually caught me with the drugs. I didn't, I was naive to the statute of limitations in Arizona, which says if you've done a drug transaction with someone in the past seven years, all it takes is that person to come forward as a witness and the police have got evidence against you in the form of a witness. Now, what Angel's describing is we're going into these holding cells. We've chilled out on our operation. So we're scratching our heads thinking, you know, the, the cops haven't, I, I knew the cops hadn't found any drugs at my place. I'm thinking, all right, they've not found any drugs. Maybe they're just going to let me go. I was in this naive bubble. And um, I imagine you guys are thinking, all right, what are we, what are we being charged with? What's going on? Mm -hmm. Yeah. My roommate, she happened to have some pills in her drawer, like a hundred of them. So I'm like, what are you doing? And now, like, now what we learned from that, this is very significant here. What we learned when her roommate, we'll just call her Kay, got busted with these pills was that, because I, she was getting pills from Sammy the Bulls people. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So confirmed right there. Some of, <laughs> some of the people that I was working with were playing both sides. They were getting pills from me. They were getting pills from Sammy the Bulls crew. Um, Sammy the Bulls crew, yeah, they had been arrested a couple of years before me, but a lot of them were back out on bail bond and they were back to the ecstasy distribution. It hadn't just ended when the bull got sent to prison. Now, all right, what's um, you're, having the, you're chatting away in the Tempe... How are you finding the conditions in the Tempe Police Department? 
versus where you're about to go. <laughs> I mean, compared to where I was about to go was Shangri-La. Was, you know, <laughs> you were in there with one other person. There was a blanket. <laughs> there was a maybe a little cushion or pillow. <laughs> it was cleaner. It's quite comfy in comparison. Yeah, yeah, in comparison. Yeah. I mean, we're there for a few hours. Even the uh, microwave meals are nice. I was going to ask you that. Like, what did you think of the food in Tempe, oh, please? I, I like the Salisbury steak. They give you <laughs> a little mashed potatoes and the sweet corn. You get a little apple pie next to it. <laughs> I didn't know what was coming. Yeah. So after they'd arrested the heads of the crime family and we were all processed in Tempe Police Department, some of us were spread out throughout the police department, so we hadn't been able to speak to each other. I know um, my girlfriend had come in and they said to her, you're, you know, this is a very serious case. Tell us everything you know about Atwood and his trip to California and his trip to Tucson. And I'd kept her separate. She didn't know anything. And they were like, well, you've got some very serious charges against you. You need to tell us right now. Bad for them that they'd put Wild Man in the next room. Yeah. And he, he was listening and he heard them trying to scare her. And Wildman goes, very serious charges, my fucking ass, you daft pig bastard, motherfuckers. <laughs> well, what it was, when, we, when they first picked us up, they didn't take us straight to the station. They took us to like this, like, I don't know, it was like a, like a, a mobile unit. Oh, the mobile unit outside of Tempe, please. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they took us there, and that's when... The, that's uh, right. Yeah, and that's I when remember. the senior girl... Yeah. And then I'm listening to this as I say what they're saying, and I was just briefed I said, oh, they haven't got fuck all. They're full of fucking shit, taking on horses for fucking guy. Oh, you, you big bad bastards trying to scare the fucking girl. Eh? <laughs> Come in here, yeah. Come on, say that on me, you little shit houses. <laughs> I was still high as a guy, to be fair. So we're in, these, we're in these cells for hours in Tempe, and we're just racking our brains, you know, what's going on, what we're going to be charged with. Are they going to let us go? They've got so many hours before you've got to get in front of a judge. And the next thing they say, right, they come and open the cell doors and take us all out and put us in a van. So we were all in a van together then, weren't we? On the way to Sheriff Joe Arpaio's <laughs> notorious horseshoe in the, in the uh, Madison Street Jail. So when we got in the van, can you guys remember... Because we were like, we were buzzing, we were seeing you guys, the women, and we were like chatting more. And you told me about what you said to the cops, yeah, um, to get to get get him off my girlfriend. Um, can you remember anything from the Van Angel? I, I really don't. I just remember thinking, okay, so they're gonna hear my story, and we didn't do let anything. Go. They're gonna let <laughs> me go home as soon as I see the judge, and that'll be that. I I, I didn't know anything about there's gonna be a hearing, a short hearing. They're going to set bail if they let you out. I won't even have to tell my parents. Yeah. No, no, no. I'll be, I'm going to go to work the next day. Yeah. <laughs> be back at the bank the next day. <laughs> yeah, that didn't happen. Now, we get to the outside of the horseshoe, outside of Sheriff Joe Arpaio's jail, and there's a big line of people who've been newly arrested who are about to go in the jail. Most of them are guys... And you've got like people who've been tasered by the police. You've got drunken people. You've got hobos. You've got gang members. And everyone's really agitated because they've just been arrested. So 
we're, people are getting out of the van. And while I'm at this time, he's got this massive, like, Vikings beard. And we're getting out of the van, and the women are getting out first. And the people in the line started yelling at our women. What was it they were saying? Like, get your tits out or something? Yeah, just being lads, weren't they, in a way? But... Yeah, they were yelling, like, get your tits out and all this, these obscenities. So, wild man gets out of the van in his cuffs, like, bigger than anyone in the, in the entire area, raises his Vikings beard at everybody in the line. There was about 20, 30 guys, and he says to all of them, you need to stop talking like that to our women or I'm going to have any one of you when we get inside of here. And they all shut up just like that. That was quite impressive. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've done time before, you say. I've done a little, little bit there in there, so I knew half of them were just full of shit anyway. <laughs> the other half was just tweak bravado and coke. How did it feel for you going into the horseshoe? It was scary. Um like, I don't belong here with these girls, <laughs> with the other women in there. They're these prostitutes and tweakers and people withdrawing from heroin, throwing up on the floor. Were they nasty too? Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Missing teeth, you know. Do, do you remember going to the screening window um, where they ask you the questions? I don't remember. So when you first go in, there's a plexiglass window. Oh, yeah, I do. I do remember. And this little woman is like, have you got any scabs? Yes, yes. Have you got um, hepatitis C? Have you got open sores? <laughs> have you got scabies? No. And they just ask you all these questions one after the other. But it's like a normal thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they ask everybody. Yeah, I do remember that. And then they give you a candy bar when you're done yeah. asking them. And all the the druggies were like, yeah, I'm gonna go, I go up there. I'll take your candy bar. <laughs> So have you been searched, strip searched or anything at this point? Or did you, did you have to go into a strip search? Um, I did have to go into a strip search, yeah. Okay, can you describe what the female strip search is like? Um, so they make you drop your pants, bend over, grab your cheeks. Yeah. Grab your cheeks, bend over, uh, make sure you cough so nothing falls out of any orifices. Yeah. Um, yeah, lift your shirt up, nothing in your hair, no hair extensions. No piercings, those all have to be taken out. Yeah, we were lucky because we came, our rest came after. We got away with that, everything would have just fell out, wouldn't it? <laughs> we were lucky because we got arrested after the Arizona finger wave got ruled illegal. <laughs> it's all right, we can edit things out. <laughs> we just, we, um, time time mark any reference to that name. <laughs> we we um, were lucky because we got arrested after the Arizona finger wave got ruled unconstitutional whereby in the strip searches the guards put a rubber glove on in arizona and stuck a finger up your butthole <laughs> not that, even lubed just dry no. that, <laughs> that led to sexual assaults on prisoners and all kinds of of craziness uh with with the guards sticking their fingers in some liked it to be fair like so <laughs> male strip search you got to get completely naked um like Angel described, you know, well, for the guys, they look in your ears, mouth, armpits, raise your man parts, turn around, bend over, spread your buttocks wide open and cough. And the guys who specialize in smuggling are called mules. They pride themselves on how many packages they can store inside the anal cavity without them peeking out during these strip searches. They get paid a percent of what they bring in. And there's also a foreskin search for drugs. So when he says to me, pull your foreskin back, I'm just like, are you serious? <laughs> He's like, yeah, there could be drugs in there. 
It's like it's not that big. What Maybe one or two E's, maybe. Maybe a little rapper sweet. Acid. You'd be fucked if you were a Jew, wouldn't you? So yeah, you're pulling your foreskin back, and they're like, they pull it back further, pull it back further. Oh, it's so degrading. It's like being visually raped. Yeah. Yeah. So all right, first sell. Oh, hang on. When you go into the horseshoe before you first sell, did they take any items of clothes off you, like belts or, or trainers or your sneakers or anything? Um, no. They wanted me to take out my – I had a belly ring, but it, it wasn't coming off, so I didn't have to take it off. Because we had to go for like metal detectors and stuff, didn't we, going in? Yeah. Okay. So men get separated from women right away. First holding cell in the horseshoe, Were you? Um, how, was that, how was it going in there? Were some of your co-defendants already in there? Did you just end up in one on your own? Uh, they weren't in there. I wasn't in there with. I was in there with one person. No, I was. Um, yeah, it was really bad. <laughs> there was a lady in there that had just had a baby, and they wouldn't. You know, she had to take care of her hygiene. You know, after having a baby, and they only let her in there with a squeeze bottle. People were laying all over the floor. Um, yeah, it was disgusting. <laughs> it's like one a toilet open. It's like an absolute dungeon. The cells in the yeah. horseshoe. For starters, it's subterranean, so there's no sunlight coming in. And the only way you can judge whether it's night or day is when the heat rises. You feel the wall just get hotter. Now, bear in mind, this is the Sonoran Desert, almost 50-degree heat in the summer in the UK temperature scale. In America, 120s in the summer. So it heats up. The building stays hot all night long, and it's like it's cooking you alive, isn't it, the heat? Mm-hmm. And you've got these black and white, um, oh, that's later on, isn't it? The B-stripe outfits. So, all right. So, so um, you got nasty tweaker girls in there who are just whores, just like fucking <laughs> cum all over them, stinking, sweating, yeah. just dirt in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty bad. Did any of the uh, prisoners oh, talk, yeah. talk to you oh, in yeah. that first cell? Um, they did. They're just like, you know, you know, you're not going to be getting out of here anytime soon because I, I, yeah, I don't remember. I'm like, no, I'm going to get out of here. I, I haven't done anything. I, I've never been arrested. I want to see the judge. They'll understand. <laughs> They'll let me go home. Yeah. There's a lesson here. If you ever get arrested and people asking about your charges, always say you've never done anything. And at the worst, um, if the authorities are asking you questions, always say, just speak to my lawyer. I'm not saying anything. I'm exercising my right to remain silent. I mean, look how stupid Prince Andrew is right now. Open his mouth to the BBC. He's completely melted his reputation down all over the world. Enough about that anyway. (laughs) Let's not go ranting about him. (laughs) Right. You're in the first cell. You still don't know what your charges are yet because you've got to go through the horseshoe. Mm -hmm. The horseshoe is called the horseshoe because it's in a horseshoe formation. The new arrestees come in one side, move along the holding cells. And then they come out at the very end of it. Now, you can be in there for days. And in Wildman's case, Wildman's been in there. He, he, he wouldn't even give him his name on occasions. You, you'd already been in there, hadn't you? So you knew what the horseshoe was all yeah, about. I've actually done the horseshoe three times in one day. Well, I wouldn't give him a name, I wouldn't give him anything. So they just move yourself to cell to cell. When it got to his fingerprints, I'd do the fingerprints. But I still, I wouldn't give him a name. I thought, you got my fingerprints working out, you know what I mean? Right, so first cell, are more co-defendants coming in? Um, We were separated, so they put them somewhere else. I wasn't with anybody except one person, ADD, 
Okay. And at what point did you find out your charges? 12 hours later, um, after seeing the judge, there yeah. were some crazy charges. Describe the whole process of going to see the judge. So they keep you in a holding cell that you don't know when you're going to see the judge sometime in the morning. That's all you know. They take you out in groups, um, put you on a bus. You think you're you're going to see the judge. She reads your charges. He or she reads your charges. Um, pled not guilty or guilty. And, what were your charges? Oh, um, <laughs> a conspiracy to facilitate illegal enterprise, um, facilitating illegal illegal enterprise with um, electronic devices, um, all sorts of conspiracy <laughs> charges. Really, like uh, organized crime charges. <laughs> Uh, conspiracy charge yeah. is easy to beat. Yeah. Uh, no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel when you saw the charges? I was like, you are the wrong person. I, <laughs> I don't know any of this. I've been to a few parties. I've had a good time partying. I don't know about any illegal organization, anything. <laughs> Why conspiracy charge is so hard to beat? Because all it basically means is you thought about it. That's the conspiracy, isn't it? Yeah. If you had that thought. Two or more people coming together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what was your bail bond? Um, it was first uh, 25000 cash only. And um, then I saw a judge again, just explained I had never been in trouble. I had a job. You know, I lived on my own. So I didn't have anybody else to take care of me or that was it. And so they lowered it another ten thousand. What was your bill, Bond? Three hundred and seventy-five thousand. <laughs> that is cash, right? Cash, cash only. Cash. So there's a story whereby um, Wild Woman intervened in a situation on your behalf. Now these jails, it's all racial cliques. So in Arizona, the four dominant cliques are the whites, run by the Aryan Brotherhood. The Blacks, Mau Mau. Then you've got the Mexican Mafia. You've got the Chicanos, which are the Mexican-Americans. And then you've got the Paisas, the Mexican Nationals. Now, looking at you, these people must have been thinking, right, what, what, who's she going to click up with? Because your background is... Yeah, I'm Asian. There weren't any Asians there. I was the only one. And what you do find is the number... That's of race that's got the most um, numbers picks on the race that's got the least and you're in there on your own imagine you were the only Asian person right. so some of the black women start kicking off yeah can you describe what, what exactly happened um, I, I really don't remember and they're just mouthing off telling me things like you better watch it this you know usual jail stuff I don't know what usual jail stuff is but um Watch it when you're sleeping. You better keep one eye open. Things like that. And was Wild Woman in there when they started kicking off? Or did she come? Yeah, she was later? in the the next cell. She was in the next cell. Mm -hmm. So how did she manage to intervene? Um. Yeah. So she she stuck up for me, and she's like, I I don't recall how it all went down, but yeah, she stuck up for me. Okay. From what Wild Woman <laughs> told me was, she said to them, "She's with me." Stop talking shit to her. Right, yes. And Wild Woman, she'd been on crystal meth. <laughs> so she was small, but... Mighty. She, <laughs> 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 she, 
She knew how to handle herself. I mean, she's called Wild One for a reason. She took a whole family out with a bar stool in, in our hometown, <laughs> hospitalized the whole family. So lovely lady. <laughs> the black prisoners who've been picking on Angel didn't heed Wild Woman's warning. And Wild Woman just picked the biggest one, the biggest shit talker, and just went over and just fuck off, just headbutted her. Just smashed her in the face. Yes, this, this, there was headbutting. There was headbutting. (laughs) Did you witness the headbutting? I did, and I heard it. (laughs) I heard it because I was in the next cell. And then she said, I've had a bad fucking day. Who else wants to be headbutted next? Any of you fuckers? (laughs) Let me take my anger out. I want to take my fucking anger out right now. I'll have any of you fuckers. So she was always a gobby cow. (laughs) (laughs) so you know if you're male and you get arrested wild man's a good guy to get arrested with if you're female and you get arrested back then wild woman was a good woman (laughs) to get arrested with definitely the actual female jails are a little bit different to be fair because from what I recall well I've never been in a female jail but from from what I heard is that it's not so much like um, racial cliques it's more like who you're hanging out, out with you know what I mean it's just like whites and blacks can sit next to one another and stuff like that. Yeah, they they want to be your girl. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> can you expand on that? Um, yeah. One one of the ladies in there and she's like, Who are you with? She's like, You're cute. She's like, What why don't you come sit with me or you know, I'll take care of you? I'm like, No, I'm good. <laughs> I, I don't need any help. So if you just gone and sat with her, what what, what? I'd be her girl and this was somebody that had like a crack pipe stuck up in her <laughs> and a lighter stashed up in herself. And there's a line coming to see her that everybody wanted a crack hit. So she was the woman. Wow. <laughs> it was, I'm like, she's like, girl. I'll take care of you. I'm like, I- I'm okay. I'm okay. So, I don't, I don't do, I don't smoke crack. So. so if you go in and say you're pretty and you're not streetwise, <laughs> The streetwise women will offer to protect you. Yes. But you've got to be in a relationship with them. Now. Yes. You're going to be their girl. Yeah. Wow. Um, all right. So you've got your charges. You're frustrated at the level of them. Conspiracy, bail bond, so high. And you had difficulties with some of the prisoners. Wild woman squashed that for you. What happens next? You're just waiting. You're waiting waiting until the next court date, waiting until the next date to see the judge. So in, what happens to you next in the horseshoe? Um, I, I don't remember. Can you remember getting to the end of the horseshoe? Oh, they just transfer you. They, you, th- you think you're going somewhere. I mean, they really just keep transferring you around, and then they finally transfer you to county jail. So you got stripped out at the end of the horseshoe. Yeah. They give you your B stripes, your black and white. Yes. Underwear that doesn't fit, sports bras that are pink, and um, boxers, yeah. men boxers that are pink. Even the men wore pink boxers. Um. <laughs> and then they tell you you're going to go to the women's jail, which was Estrella, is it? Yeah, Estrella. Estrella County Jail. All right. So you're on the bus to Estrella. Are you, are you still with your co-defendants? Yes, one of them. Okay, and then you get to Australia. What's the reception like there for you? It's the middle of the night. Um, they just give you your clothes to change into and tell you where to go. They don't tell you anything. They don't tell you 
you think you can ask like a CEO something, but they just yell at you because you're supposed to know, I guess, what you're, you're, you're doing there or what to do, where to go. It's just confusion. And what is your first cell like in Australia? It's bunks. Um, it's not a cell. It's open bunks. Um, so they it's, were, kind of, it's kind of dorm style, is it? Yeah, they were overcrowded, so they had bunks up in the Ooh. cafeteria area. Everybody was just loaded up on top of one another. Ooh. Yeah, it stunk really bad. <laughs> the huge roaches would come out as soon as the sun sets. Mice, rats. Like the um, the sewer roaches are these skinny little roaches. They're the huge. Ones. They're the big ones. The sewer they're ones. Big, yeah. What are, I? They're huge. They're like the size of small rats. The, the domes are horrible as well. That's yeah. Cells of it's disgusting. Because it's loud. It's like, you know, it's supposed to be like a 10 to 10 reel. But I thought most of the women go by it. But well, it takes a couple of girls to start yakking and it's loud in a quiet room. You know what I mean? And you've got that air there in every fucking word. You're trying to get your head down. Yeah, and then it's very much clicked off. Yeah. And you're worried about you, you, everything's going through your mind and just like you can't you can't just nod off anyway. Yeah, you can't sleep. <laughs> so your first night, did you sleep at all? No. You're what? up for like 12, 14 hours. What's going through your head as you're lying there trying to sleep? Sean, that bastard. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, just... I'm the innocent lucky one. <laughs> I'm just trying to call out and hopefully my family can bring the bail money. Yeah. Yeah. How did you reach out to them? I well, I was hoping that they you wouldn't find out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was hoping that I'd just get out and nobody would find out. But you know, nobody's going to pony up that kind of money but your family. So yeah. Well, you you worked on it. What's that? You worked at the time. Yeah, I was working at a bank. I know, but would they have ponied it up? Um, my work? No. No. I don't think so. No, no way. I had to tell them when I came back to work, like, I, I just couldn't call. They were like, oh, you know, called, no showed. That's really not allowed. Yeah. And I'm um, like, well, I was just in a situation. I can't talk about it. And I wasn't allowed to call. I'm sorry. I just couldn't call. Yeah. So without elaborating on why I couldn't make that phone call, yeah. that one phone call to my supervisor. It's not really a no-show, is it? You couldn't tell them. So like, <laughs> yeah. You know, sounds like you've been kidnapped. Yeah. I'm like, I just was in a situation where I couldn't call that's all first meal in in sheriff joe piles in, in a stray jail some sort of slop i don't know five pieces of moldy bread some cheese maybe an orange was it the mystery meat red death slop something i don't know what it was <laughs> i don't know what yeah it was. The, the, the most regular meal back then in the jail was the red death in the evening, which looked, looked like carroty vomit blended with blood. And there was occasionally there was a dead rat in it. We gave a rat back to the guards one time. They said they would investigate it. This was when we were in Towers Jail, 2002. Right. And they came back later in the day and said um, it was just a potato. No. So they weren't getting any trouble. No, I saw rats in the cooler because I was working a kitchen job and they were running around in the cooler. Wow, we'll get to your kitchen job in a minute. <laughs> So you're describing the evening meal, the slop. Mm -hmm. How was your first breakfast? You, did you get a Ladmo bag? Yes, a Ladmo bag. That's what they call it. And what was in that? Five slices of bread again. Moldy. Moldy. Uh, it was stale. Maybe a piece of fruit that usually people would trade out because they wanted the fruit. It's to the make, healthiest make, thing there. Yeah. And some gross bologna. 
that cheese that you put on the side and it just melts and it just goes to liquid. <laughs> yeah, orange juice. Yeah. Oh. And the green mm-hmm. bologna. Mm-hmm. So are you able to eat any of this stuff? I tried really hard not to the first few uh, nights. How long did that last? Maybe the third night. You forced yourself to start eating something. Yeah. You got to have something on here in the end. Yeah, I... I I left after I'm, I was bonded out after seven days. So okay, yes, good for you. <laughs> so you said you were assigned a job. Oh yes, I, I had to work in the kitchen. They said that you know that's probably where you're going to get the best food. So I would recommend working in the kitchen. One of the girls was telling me that. One of the Mexican girls. I had a, a Hispanic last name back then because I was, you know, previously with somebody that had a Hispanic last name. So they thought that I was part of that group so they kind of took me in <laughs> that's a good thing in a way though because yeah. there's like the heavy populated anyway yeah plus to get on with the whites anyway though mm-hmm. so was there a discussion with them to get accepted by them no point? there wasn't they just came up to me and said hey, if there's anything you need just let us know here's a locker for indigent girls oh. or <laughs> no they were nice well, if, your, if your last name's like a Garcia or Hernandez or anything yeah. they're automatically going to take you in you know what I mean yeah, so you were indigent until people sent some money on your books. Yeah. What does that mean, and how do they take care of indigent prisoners, the, the gang? Um, so they they take care of their own, and they have a locker where they keep their own commissary, like their hygiene items, shampoo, combs, things like that, or snacks. Um, yeah, and even the Native American girls, because I could pass as Native American, were really nice as well. <laughs> So when they ex- it was okay after maybe a couple of days. When they accepted you like that, did they explain there are certain rules you got to follow in here? Not guards' rules, but their rules. Um, I, I don't recall. I just remember that there was a fight that went down, and it was between the natives. And you know, just like, just you're going to stick with us if you say nothing what, about what you saw. What was the fight over? Can you give us a? a and it was a, it was a head of the natives. Uh, with an, somebody that was going to be head of the natives, and um, she had just told this told the CEO that she fell off her bunk when her face was all bruised and bumped up, and they came around and had a look at everybody's knuckles and hands, and they're like, "You didn't see anything, you didn't hear anything," but you know, of, of course, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. So in Towers Jail, let's say two people got a beef, then the gang leaders would be like, "Okay." You guys just go in that cell under the stairs because, like, the, the guard tower's here and they, the stairs kind of blocks it a little bit. Mm-hmm. They'll say, you guys just go in that cell under the stairs, have a fight, squash the beef. Yeah. Is it the same in the women's side like that? It's the same. Really? Yeah. Do you think there are less physical fights and more verbal altercations in the women's side than the men's? Uh, yeah, there are. So there's a lot of catcalling. Yeah. And what, what are the issues that they're arguing over? Pretty women. <laughs> Girls, commissary, <laughs> yeah. the same stuff. Commissaries, what people really fight over. Um, you owing them commissary or somebody owing them commissary. They're always doing that two for one, yeah. whatever that was. If you if I give you one today, you owe me two. Um, just tr- people trying to collect. And then commissary nights, like everybody's hopped up on sugar and Ready to roll. <laughs> the best thing in, in, I'd say in the canteen by far is the soups because they're cheap. And it, I mean, you can put so many different things in with them, but just on their own, they're all right. They're nicer than anything else, aren't they? Soups are hot commodities, aren't they? Yeah, the yeah. ramen yeah. soups. Ramen. Yeah. Everyone's going on at ramen, ramen soups. Ramen soups and the, um, 
the the envelope tuna. I guess that's the healthiest thing you can yeah, get in canteen. Yeah. The soups, which they would make into. Oh no, they made the chips into like tamales and, and enchiladas. Yeah, and very creative. <laughs> yeah, very creative. <laughs> I've done a cooking show. I've shown it. <laughs> like a prison the- cooking <laughs> show. Yeah. All the Wild Man's recipes are on his playlist, which is in the description <laughs> box below this video. Wild Man must be getting up to almost having 100 videos on the channel now if you include his recent podcast. Hours and hours and hours of content for Wild Man fans, so please click down there. Now, were you on this in the same living quarters for the whole duration until you got bail bonded out, or did they move you? Um, yes, I was in the same, same place, and then um, I got bonded out, but then I had to go back to tent city after 30 days or something like that which and then i stayed in tent city for 90 days okay before we go to tent city then in australia what kind of hustles did the female prisoners have uh braiding hair threading eyebrows um making roses out of paper or something like that um selling crack (laughs) Drugs out of their orifices that they had hidden. What about tatu- cigarettes? Tattooing. Tattooing. I saw some of that. How do they do tattoos in a female prison? Um, if somebody had, if they could get a hold of like a staple or anything sharp that was metal, they that's what they'd work with. That's what they use. <laughs> and and it's pro- proper primitive stuff. It's how the, the like back in the day the New Zealand people. That's how they do it. We're, we're, the Maoris, it. Yeah. yeah. What did they use for ink? Um, I don't recall. The just regular. If they could get a hold of a pen, a regular yeah. pen, they would mix that with something. Yeah. So you go through de- various stages of adaptation. The food one is a big one. In the beginning, the SWAT team comes. You're very nervous unless you're wild, man, and you can't sleep for days. I couldn't sleep for days. My heart was just going like crazy. And then eventually your hunger does start to kick in a bit, even though you've not eaten for days. So you were allowed to spend back then, I think it was about $20 a week on commissary items. So you said you got some store finally. Someone must have put some money on your books. What kind of stuff were you... How did it feel to order your commissary and get and, and eat that? And what was it that you ordered? What did you enjoy to eat? Really, it's like shopping at a gas station. You can really only yeah. get junk food, mostly. I mean, the noodles were the best thing on the item. Soda, things like that. Just sugary junk food. But the jail can make a shitload of profit yeah. off selling it to prisoners. It's, it's really sick. It doesn't often healthy, is Three there? or four times what it's worth. And then that's the night when everybody's a buzz and it's like a party in jail. Yeah. Were um, people making stuff out of the commissary? Yeah, they were. Um, you know, like soups or, I mean, enchiladas. They would make a somebody's birthday cake or something like that. Yeah. You could, I wouldn't believe how good. I mean, some of the, especially with the Mexican ladies, when they do the burritos and all yeah. that, it's just like going to a Mexican restaurant. It's really, <laughs> really fucking nice. Um, and you can also trade your commissary for drugs. That happened a lot. Like 10 items for a hit a crack or something. Wow. Did, were you able to eventually start sleeping in there, getting more sleep? Was it disrupted? Um, I was able to get sleep. It was after like a really long day of work or something. 
That would be the only way. And what were your juices at the work? Um, making the slop. <laughs> you had to make the slop. Yeah, or making the Ladmo bags. Or you made the Ladmo bags. So where are all these ingredients, these stale bread and moldy bread and food that's like 20 cans that are 20 years past the sell-by date. Where's all that coming from? They was all donated from... Um, they they donated so much more food to the jails, but that's not what the sheriff wanted people to eat. So they didn't get to eat all that. It was a lot of frozen foods, processed foods, you know, like chicken nuggets and fish sticks, stuff like that. Because you see on the news, Sheriff Joe Arpaio and his posse would be in a neighborhood um, and it was like a rat-infested neighborhood. And you notice like they were in there picking up the grapefruits. We're yeah. cleaning this neighborhood for the grapefruits to get the rats out. And then the next day, what would we have in our labo bags? Grapefruits from rat-infested neighborhoods. <laughs> what was the craziest thing you saw in Australia? Oh, um, the line of people waiting for a crack hit <laughs> out of, a, <laughs> out of uh, my neighbor's orifice. <laughs> really? She had a lighter in there. She had a crack <laughs> pipe. She had crack and a lot of commissary. <laughs> and then she was raided the next day by the men in black for her crack pipe did they get it yeah <laughs> so how did they get it um well they strip searched her and then there were people also if uh you had to come in to come in from tent city to go into i forgot what they call it um you know the the meeting area the common area um they were getting ready to recreation the recreation area yeah. the rec area um stuffing or taking things out of their orifices to come inside. All right. That, that was pretty crazy. So you just said then that you were in the Australia jail for how long? Um, I was in Australia for seven days. You got bailed out. Bailed out. You're thinking, that's it. I'm not yeah. going back. What the hell happened to put you back in? I had a dirty UA. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. And then how did they catch you? That You just had to go somewhere and they tested you? Yeah, I think it was task where they just call your color. You have to go pee for them. Right. And they test you. It was it was a dirty UA, so then I got sent to 90 days in intensity. No one, no, no one really ever gets called in the first month. Oh, that's unlucky, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and you know, things usually stay in your system three days, short amount of time. So what drug was it that you... They tested for that they found cocaine cocaine <laughs> right so now your job you've just told oh my god it's gonna get worse okay so you've got to submit yourself now surrender yourself mm -hmm. what what's that procedure um so they take you back through the horseshoe i think mm. I, I don't remember um the horseshoe twice in a couple of months yeah oh they are hating life right now yeah I don't know why. I was just like, why did I do that to myself? But, you know, stress, oh. I guess. Did they, so this time when you go to see the judge in the night court, did he bump your bail up? No, he just said you're going to do 90 days, 90 days in, in Tent City. How did that make you feel? I didn't believe it. I'm like, no, I'll, I'll be out shortly and back to doing my thing. Did you actually lose your bail or did they, were you allowed to get your bail back? No, I got my bail back. That's good. Um, as long as I showed up for court, which I did. Yeah. Because there could have been assholes going and said you broke beach of braille. Yeah, but since I didn't have a, a history, yeah, I guess they were lenient in that sense. I bet the hit court wasn't even worth it, was it? No, it wasn't. <laughs> got it. God, no. 
Tent City is Sheriff Joe Pyle's most famous jail. If I say to anyone I was in Pyle's jail, they say, we're in Tent City. Like people from all over the world are aware of it. Mm -hmm. Can you just describe for people who have never heard of it, what is Tent City? It's um, army tents out in this open area outside behind the behind like Estrella. Um, there is a guard tower, a guy up there with, I guess, bean bags, not real bullets. I'm not sure. And um, they, you have to have a job. There's chain gangs, <laughs> rats and roaches out at sunset. <laughs> I guess the only nice thing is that you're outside. It's not nice, but it's really hot. It's in the middle of the summer. It's 115 degrees in an army tent. Uh, there's maybe a fan for each tent. But blowing around hot air. A tent city been closed down now. I, yeah, it has. So these are tents left over from the Korean War, and some people went out there and did temperature checks in these tents. It got up to like 130 degrees in the U.S. temperature scale, and um, it was considered really inhumane. Now there was a, a group of wonderful women I work with called Mothers Against Sheriff Joe Arpaio, and Pearl Wilson was one of the mothers. And her son got killed in Tent City. He had an onyx ring and the Aryan Brotherhood killed him over this onyx ring. And when this was happening, the guards just they just let it happen, basically. They didn't intervene. And um, she, su she sued um, Sheriff Joe Pyle over that. Now, there's a place where, because it's outdoors, anything can be thrown over the walls. Mm -hmm. It's minimum security. Like, we were in Max where it's like you're locked up, you don't get to see that freedom. But in Tent City, they, they, they expect you to go and work and do work us. It's mainly going around picking litter up in it and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They'll do. But um, it's mi mi minimum security. Yeah. Can you describe your first day in Tent City? It was summer. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I had to sleep on a top bunk because that's what was available. It was super hot. Um, it was... And then at night, it gets cold in the desert, so you get one thin blanket. They wake you up at 4 a.m. by banging flashlights and things against the pole, telling you to get up for work. It's, the lights are never off. You can never sleep. You can never sleep. But I guess maybe the happiest thing in there is hearing them roll somebody up that is getting to go home and you hoping that that's you next. So you described all, already how... Okay, you, the bottom bunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you described how, you, you know, the blacks are picking on you while women intervened, and then you got accepted by one racial clique, but now you've got to meet everybody again. Yeah. How did they accept you second time around? Well, the people in there are minimum security. They're there for, like, drunk driving, or they're there on work furlough. So, I mean, it was less intense, I guess. And, and did you get accepted by any of the groups? Um, just the natives and, and the Mexicans. Okay. Yeah. And um, how soon was it before you got assigned a job? Straight away. I was working in laundry. Could you give us a, a what was a day in laundry like? <laughs> Monotonous. <laughs> um, you know, washing those, whatever those are, uniforms, I guess. Um, bedding, blankets, just... It's like Breaking Bad when they're in that laundry. It's, it's like that type of facility. Imagine it was really warm and heavy work as well. It was really hard work. Yeah, it was really hot, again, because of the dryers. And it was summertime in yeah. the desert. And by the time, but 
I guess the only good thing about that is when you get back to your bunk, you're exhausted. So you have no choice but to just pass out. Yeah, if you've been working all day, that even though there's all that commotion in the background, mm -hmm. you do just pass out, don't you, on some yeah. of those occasions? So it's, it's the one good side of it. Now, when you go through something that's in, that intense, sometimes you make friends with people and you bond with them. Did you make any friends? Um, yeah, maybe one person. Uh, she was, <laughs> I guess, a prostitute. And um, she seemed all right. <laughs> in there. She was in there for walking the streets and um, breaking probation or whatever she was on or not reporting to her halfway house, whatever, whatever it was. She seemed all right. So did you kick it with her then when you weren't working? Yeah. And is there like an area where people can watch TV or gamble or anything like that? Is there nothing like inside, that? Inside, yeah, there was. It was pretty lax, I guess. I mean, on the inside, you could go in there and cool off after taking your shower or whatever. <laughs> Any fights? Just that the just the one. Um, yeah, just the one with between the natives. Just that one that you yeah. talked earlier. Okay. Yeah. So as you're spending more time in the women's facilities, are you feeling safer and you're adjusting to it? Um, I suppose as safe as you can feel. I mean, everybody, you just have to watch out for everybody that they're there for themselves. Um, you know, I just want to keep to myself and not say too much and just observe maybe. So say like you were giving advice now to your younger self going in that jail. What, what prison survival advice would you give to yourself? Just don't talk to anybody. Um, Stay just, away from two for ones. Yeah. So you've got money on your books and you can actually see that money. So, so many people said, oh yeah, I've got money coming. I'll mm -hmm. get like two suits, you get two, you pay three back or whatever. You end up being in debt by the end of yeah. the week. And then your money hasn't hit the book. Or you've done something stupid and you've ended up fucking going on loss of privilege so you don't get your like, privileges and you can't pay it back then. So then it's just doubled up. And it's, I've seen people start off two soups or in 50 fucking soups, you know what I mean? Get, yeah. Getting smashed over soups. Would you say that in the women's side as well as the men's side, debts are the main cause of arguments? Yes, debts. Debts from all sorts of things, just being hungry or drug debt or whatever it is. Yeah, debts. Was it was crack the most common drug in there cuz where we were in uh it was a lot it was a lot of meth and heroin. Um crack, yeah. I don't know why. It was crack and heroin. Cuz there were a lot of people getting sick in there and they weren't sick after <laughs> seeing certain people. Did you hear the background stories of any of the other girls? Um I did, yeah. Any interesting ones? So funny thing is that I ended up in there with somebody that we weren't very closely tied with, I guess. Somebody that had stolen my car. Um, she ended up being the girlfriend of the guy that stole my car that Peter got back for me. Was this to do with Sammy the Bulls people? Um, it was a Mexican guy. Yeah. What's his name? Big, big guy. He said he had like 10 kids. He, big guy. Oh, the Mexican Mafia. I don't remember his New name. New Mexican Mafia. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> that was G-Dog's friend. Yeah. Big Daddy. What was his name? Yogi. 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 Yeah, that guy. Yeah, and he had all the chains and he was about Huge. one of the biggest people I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. 
he must have been about three times wider than Wildman. Yeah, I remember Yogi. So <laughs> you end up with the girlfriend. Yeah, of, of one of his guys. Someone who stole your vehicle. Right. But Peter, through his connection with G-Dog and the New Mexican Mafia, was able to get that back for you. Yes. <laughs> wow. We got, we got the car back. That's impressive. The truck back. So by being in the jail with this girl, then, is that beef squashed? No, I... She didn't know who I was. I, I just knew who she was from the names that she was saying. So I didn't say anything. And she's like, oh, I was with this guy. And, you know, he's in here, too, because he couldn't keep his hands off me. And and then I just put two and two together. I'm like, oh, that's that's who that is. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'll never forget the day we went to meet Yogi. He was on his, this, I think it was a waterbed. And he, his whole body took up the whole waterbed. And there's all these babies. Like fat bastard. There was yeah. babies just everywhere. So the waterbed's going like that. And he's going like that. And his belly's just going like that. And he's just picking the babies, scooping babies up off the floor, sticking them to himself. <laughs> They're riding the waves of his wobbly flesh, his wobbly flab, falling on the floor, giggling. And then he's just scooping another baby up from this side and sticking it. Like, the babies are loving it. I've never seen anything bizarre, more bizarre in my life. And then he's, he's got this, like, T-shirt, like, Big Daddy. <laughs> yeah, Yogi, that's his name. Yogi. Yeah, from Yogi. Yeah, i completely forgotten about him. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, would you say that a lot of these women were vulnerable women? Yeah, they were. And then I think a lot of them also put themselves there. Yeah. They like, I think they like the drama. Yeah. yeah. A lot of drama queens. Yeah. And um, did you hear any of the sad stories of the backgrounds? Yeah, I mean, people were in there simply because they were poor, yeah. and it's because they were a person of color, and they couldn't... Somebody was in there for a dog at large, which I don't really know what that means, because she couldn't pay a fine, but she mm, got, like, God. 90 days in Tent City because she couldn't pay dog at large fine. What it means, it, you, your dogs run away, Yeah, and the... Um, like the shelter or whoever it is has picked it up mm-hmm. and you got to go and pay them $80 to go and get it back. Mm-hmm. And if you don't pay it, it's a fine. That's why they were in jail. Yeah, it's terrible, it's isn't it? stupid stuff. She obviously wanted to go and get a dog because she loved, her very, loved it very much. Mm-hmm. But like, if she hasn't got $80, well, let her pay it a pound or whatever. Something. Let her have a dog, though. Mm-hmm. Don't put her in prison over it. Right. It's just fodder, isn't it, for the system? Mm-hmm. So you said there's a lot of uh, women of colour. How racist is the US justice system? Very. I mean, there were women in there that were white that I think... There was a lot less white women in there than women of colour, I think. Why do you think it's structured like that? Their families had money or could get them out. Would you say that, you know, with the private prison businesses and, you know, the the jail is like a a conveyor belt to the prison system... Mm -hmm. The, the contracts of the private prisons are in the tens of billions a year. And um, the the easiest people to get are the ones who don't have money to defend themselves, right. aren't they? They're immigrants or they don't have, they can't prove who they are. They don't have, yeah, they just can't pay their fines. I heard one cop say, to get my arrest quotas, I just go to a black neighborhood. It's mm-hmm. like shooting fish in a barrel. And if you go to a white neighborhood, you know, maybe the cousin is related to a judge yeah, or they've got the means to defend themselves. 
Yeah. I had a friend that shot an AK-47 at the police, but his father was really wealthy and he didn't do any jail time. Wow. <laughs> and then there's people in jail for what? Nothing. Weed. Weed. People get put in jail yeah. for weed or back then, weren't they? broken taillight or something. I saw people who'd like, it wasn't the first offense, but just a joint of weed, two to five years. Yeah. Because you're poor. Yeah. So anything. That wasn't our story, by the way. We did our crime. We had lots and lots of drugs. <laughs> we take full responsibility. Good one, good yes, one, Wild. Of course. Um, Sean takes full responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> Any other notable crazy stories from your Tent City period? Um, th- those are the ones I can think of. I mean, it was kind of a, a blur. Everything kind of ran together, so it was hazy. Because you're in shock, aren't you, really, for a yeah, lot of it? yeah. It's just so alien to your system, isn't it? You just go home, you go bed whenever you want, you got a nice comfy bed, then all of a sudden you've got this regimented thing. Chow's in the house, get out the banks, everybody. But you really you really did nothing wrong, Angel, apart from party. You didn't you didn't <laughs> I don't understand why they even brought I you know, in. that's what I was saying. <laughs> in the top thirteen of the crime <laughs> right. syndicate. Yeah. Um So how how was it you um and likes a big Ken and Joey didn't even get pulled in, did they? <laughs> and it was because my roommate and you know the people that I lived with or were hanging out with were hanging out with guys from a separate crew and opposite crew was that? Uh, Sammy the Bulls crew were dating him or going behind getting things from them and and then they lived with me. So So how many people how many close. people did you live with? I lived with two people. But the per- but my roommate was very close to another person that dated somebody in the Devil Dogs or whoever they were. Right, let's expand on this a bit more then. So Sammy DeBull's crew was organized in a way whereby they had steroid head jock people mm-hmm. selling the pills from the raves and in the clubs in Scottsdale, like Axis Radius yeah. <laughs> and what was the other one called in Scottsdale? And... Um, they had an enforcement arm called the Devil Dogs. Yes. Who were the Devil Dogs and why were they called the Devil Dogs? Um, Fucking nobodies from Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sammy the Bull's son and his friends. And they were called the Devil Dogs because they, when they attacked people, they would yelp and bark like dogs, according, yeah. according to the media mm-hmm. back then. So what, what type of pills... Were your roommates getting from Sammy the Bull's people? Uh, ecstasy pills. But what do you remember what the presses were? Oh, I don't remember. Um, I don't remember what they had. I'm trying to think what there was around that time. It was like, was it like Superman's or... Silver Dollars. Silver Dollars, Euro Dollars. There's that many of them, weren't there? Yeah, yeah. So when those guys came over to your place who were working for Sammy the Bull's crew, what was the, when was the first time you saw those guys and met those guys? Um, no, they didn't come over to my house. I went to go pick up my roommate from a party the next morning. Um, and her and another friend was there who was dating somebody from that crew. She just introduced him as, oh, this is your competition. I'm like, I, I don't know. We don't have any competition. So I don't know who you're talking about or who this person is. Some Italian guy. I don't know. And we had a mutual friend, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Um, who actually infiltrated the house and was going to the barbecues and stuff a mutual female friend of ours oh yes Mm -hmm. yeah and did she ever tell you about going to the house she did 
Um, I don't know. She enjoyed it, I guess. She enjoyed playing both sides, I guess. Who would that be? Nerd. I'll tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> you ended up in one of her apartments in Tempe. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, I know. Yes, yes. So you're hearing it here, you know, people have been saying we're making up some of these stories. You're hearing it here from Angel, the exact people that she met that was distributing for the Bulls crew. And um, highly recommend Sammy the Bulls podcast. He's got over 3 million views right now. He's done his first interview in 20 years. We interviewed his colleague, John Elite. If you've not seen that one yet, Gambino hitman involved in dozens of murders. Click down in the description box below this. The True Crime Podcast, we've got 60 plus episodes over two hours long. Loads of them have been co-interviewed by Wildman. So, um, yeah, you know, we'd love to get Sammy the Bull on the podcast, if that would be possible at some point. The Elite one was good, but I'd rather have done this one with Angel. (laughs) (laughs) Right, just going back now to you being in Tent City. You got your commissary, you got your job in the laundry, you got your routine, you've made some friends you established, there's no violence. Are there any other kind of scary situations with guards or prisoners? Oh, um, just the stories about the guards having relationships with the the inmates. How does that work? <laughs> um, for favors or to get drugs in or, you know, extra food even or extra time on the phone or extra time for the best jobs in the jail. That's... That's what you do. So you're saying that female inmates are having sex with guards to bring drugs, and the guards would then bring drugs in for them. Yeah, or the people that are conducting church or some of these support groups too. So pastors, you're saying, Mm -hmm. would have sex with female prisoners and bring drugs in for them. Yeah, or the drug counselors. Sure, not to try and get twists on things here now. Before you you be up to Einstein in a bit or Epstein. (laughs) We all know what happens, Sean. So they, they... Get where you get going. Go on. It's going to be fascinating for people watching this to think that you've been arrested for a drug offence and there are guards having sex with female prisoners and bringing drugs in for the women. And vicars and pastors. And vicars and pastors? That is going to absolutely blow people's minds. Oh, it happened every day. It was common. What is the point of arresting people for drug offences and then the staff... Giving them drugs. Sexual favors, um, money for them also. Perks of being a male prison guard. Yeah. <laughs> or even the female prison guards. Yeah. So there's lesbian female prison oh, guards. Oh, yes, of same. course. Uh-huh. Did any of the guards try anything with you? No. What was your relationship like with the guards? It was non-existent, I guess. And that's another lesson. If you go in, don't be sucking up to the guards because they'll think you're snitching mm-hmm. and then you're going to get smashed. So Angel did the right thing, exactly what she said, non-existent relationship. Just the more you interact with people, the more they can harm you in general, I would say. So you were just, you sounds like you were just laying low pretty much. Then, yeah, I was just trying, trying to, to do my it. time and get out of there. And you knew your release date. Mm-hmm. Were you getting a bit excited as you were getting close to your release from Tent City? Yeah, and that's something you learn not to tell people about, too, because they can sabotage that for you. Assholes will, for no, no yeah, reason they will, whatsoever. Just because no they're jealous. Just because they're jealous. Did you see people get sabotaged? I, I'd heard I'd heard stories. Could you tell us those stories? Um, just about, you know, you're being excited about being released, obviously, and then 
somebody getting into a fight or picking a fight with somebody on purpose so they so they don't go, get to go home on that day. Right. Because then you get more charges. And if you're inside, then they're organized crime charges. <laughs> so they, they're beefed up charges. Wow. If you get commit more crimes on the inside. Did you see people, anyone getting sabotaged, La? Yeah, you see it all the time, La. But you just, you stayed away from it. You knew it was wrong. Yeah. And, all right, so you've not told people you're getting released. Mm-hmm. So you're just waiting for the guards to make the announcement. In Roll the middle up. of the night. Roll that's up. right. That's right. In the middle of the night. They come for you in the middle of the night. Yeah. And they shine a light on you today. Yeah. And your roommate's then like, hey, what's up? What's going on, girl? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you just roll up your property, go in there and wait some more in a cell until they process you and somebody picks you up. Do you get the vultures like, have you got the shampoo you don't want? Have you got anything? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know I mean? um, no, you can have everything. Yeah. I don't care. I'm not coming back. I'm not <laughs> taking this with me. Did you actually get a little radio thing that you're listening to? No. Okay, because they're quite valuable, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. I see one person to give, to give the TV away and then see them two days. And he was, he was in another pod. So it's like you getting out. He said, yeah, the bastard's got me for giving that TV away. The screw scene. Me. <laughs> and it's like still, even though it was his TV, even though he paid for it, because you give it away, it was, you, you give away government property. Mm-hmm. Which I still think's wrong, because you paid 200 quid for this stupid black and white see-through TV. Yeah. Or 140, whatever it was. A ridiculous amount of money for something you can't even look like. Without plugging headphones and you can't even get like noise out of. And if you alter it then, that's another offence, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Everything is offensible. Offence. Did, did you have any violations of the rules? No. You never got any disciplinary tickets? No. Did you get any visitors? Um, maybe one or two. What was the visitation process for the women? <laughs> um, one of my friends came to visit and her shirt was too tight. Apparently they had she had to put a jacket on take your belts off, no touching, so she couldn't hug me. Um, yeah. Did you have to get strip searched in and out with the visit as well? Yes. Yeah. To so make sure they don't pass any drugs to you, do the whole cough, bend over, everything. Have your family found out by this time? Um, yeah, they did. I had called, and uh, my family was on their way to Arizona to bond me out. Where, where had you called from? Um. Inside the jail, collect call. <laughs> was that the first time you were in the jail or the second? Uh, the first time. And how did it feel to call your family? Scary. <laughs> I'm like, just, I don't know. I'm like, just get me out of here. Whatever you have to do. Because, <laughs> you know, just hearing the heartbreak in my parents' voices. Yeah, it, was it was hard. Just, it was really heartbreaking, wasn't it? You can't do that collect call straight away either, can you? Because when you first go in, your number don't work for a while, yeah. does it? So you're like, yeah, oh, you I don't really to... want to give this call, but I'd want to do it anyway. And yeah. It won't let you fucking through. And then it just randomly it goes through. Your number goes through. It's a trip, isn't it, when you figured it out? Yeah. 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 And you're asking people to show you how to do it. All. Right, or somebody... Uh, three-way calling for you or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, just use my ID or uh-huh. whatever. Then you owe them mm-hmm. something. And I, I think I kept it together pretty well until I talked to my family. I'm like, I have to get out of here. You guys have to get me out of here. Now, were they like, you got involved in drugs, you, you've made your bed lying there, or were they like, we give you our full support? Yeah, the, the latter. And how did that make you feel? Very bad. Oh. <laughs> I'm like... But it's it's again. It was the first time I'd ever been in trouble, so yeah. they were happy to get me out. 
and then we'll sort it out later. Did you cry ever in this? Not until I talked to my family. <laughs> right. Yeah. After the phone or while you're on the phone? On the phone. Oh, God. Yeah, so that was bad. But... On the men's side, you, you, we've all cried, but you can't let, really let people see you cry. Mm -hmm. Were people, did they see you cry? Yeah, I didn't care. Is that more acceptable in the women's side? Yeah, I think so. Everybody's crying all the time over there. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Honestly. I cried when I got a call off the, the, the reverend. He said, um, do whatever he wants to see you. And I'm thinking, oh, fucking hell. Everyone says to you that can't be good news, you know what I mean? Yeah. Basically, it's not. My Uncle Bob had died. Oh, and that's yeah. the only reason the reverend ever wants to see you, is to tell you there's been a death in the family. Yeah, yeah. So you got your excitement building. You get called in the middle of the night. You distribute your property to the other prisoners. Get your strip searches. Get your civvy clothes back on. Yeah. Where'd you go next? Home. In Tempe? Yeah. And how did that feel? I had, it was great. I went home, turned the TV on and got in bed. <laughs> did you want to go Denny's or anywhere? Did no. You, did, were you craving anything? No, no, I just wanted to go home and take a shower in private and <laughs> get in bed and turn on the TV and... Put some clean clothes on. Yeah. Yes. Get that prison stank out you. Uh, yeah, disgusting. But now you've got court dates looming. Mm -hmm. How's it going, the court system? Um, They just call you to come back at a later time. It's always that way. Yeah. You come back in a month, come back in a month, and nothing ever gets decided in a short amount of time. Well, they're never saying, we'll cooperate against Atwood, and you know you won't do any prison time or anything like that? No. Okay. No. They did with a lot of the others. They had them sign this thing called Exhibit A, saying that they work for me and all this shit. No, I didn't. Yeah. Well, that's good. And um, <laughs> in the court then, um, how long does it take to get resolved? Uh, about a year. A year? Yeah. Now, have you got a public defender or have you paid for a lawyer? Public defender. And how good was your public defender? Terrible. I don't even know why he was a lawyer. Just, I could have done a better job myself, I think, but... And they call them public pretenders, don't yeah, they? Yeah, definitely. Well, they, they, they don't actually try and get you away. They just try and get you the best deal possible. But either way, you're going down. They, they're not trying to get you off, are they? They just, they just to want get to get you to sign a plea bargain yeah. so they can get onto the next victim and get their next I mean, they're fee. being paid by the state the same, so yeah. it's the they state that's paying them. Bulk, you know what I mean? Yeah. So do, do 20 and then get your it's check. It's all conveyor belt justice. Yeah. No interest in going to trial because that costs the state money. There's not much difference here, though, that. It's, it's all been Americanized here it's now. It's all yeah. exactly the same. When you get in trouble there, if you haven't got money to pay for a decent like, attorney, you, you're screwed. Yeah. If you've got a public one, a public defender, it's just a joke. You get what justice you can afford in America. Yeah. What did you eventually settle on? What did they reduce it to? Um, so they dropped six of the charges. And then I just got, um, I don't recall, um, the um, electronic wire charge. It was The phone was tapped. Yeah. I was talking to Wild Woman <laughs> or something. Yeah. Telling her I was going to stop by. I was listening to all the calls. I had recordings. I'm like, I can't find them. I wish I had them. I put them on YouTube. <laughs> you haven't got the, got the recordings. Have no, you? I don't. Oh. I have heard them, though. Yeah. It was really just kind of stupid stuff. Like, oh, I'll stop by. Um. I go grab that 
wine from you or whatever it is, or I'll I drop don't it even off. know why they'd done me for that because they said they, they couldn't understand what the fuck I was saying on the phone. <laughs> so how are you going to do? They had the recording though. Yeah, they had the whatever recording. Whatever it said. They said they were going to bring in translators for Wild Woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so you you cop to this final charge in your plea bargain, which is not cooperating; it's just agreeing to a plea bargain. Ninety-eight percent of the cases in Arizona they end up in plea bargains because if you do go to trial, they'll make an example out of you. They'll give you the super aggravated maximum because to set an example to everyone else not to do it because it costs the state money. Sign that plea bargain, shut up, go to prison. That's the conveyor belt justice. Now, um, how how was your life after that? It was drug tests and probation officers and. Yeah, I couldn't leave the state. It was, I was just glad not to be in jail. <laughs> yeah. Would you say that you appreciate certain things now, like sleep and food? Definitely. Um, just thinking back, I'm like, you know, I was just having a good time, and I don't know why. Yeah. They thought it was so much more than it was. Yeah. All right, let's move over to that good time now. How did you end up in Arizona? Um. How did I? I? I just wanted, I lived in, I grew up in a small town and I wanted to get out of that small town. So I went to Arizona and went to college there and got a job. What did you study? Uh, communications. And how did you fall in with the party people? I don't remember. Um, I was, I had met some people and I was getting out of a relationship. So I thought, you know, we could be roommates. We had a lot of things in common. It was fun so yeah i got to be roommates with certain people and that's how it happened is this the house that we're talking about with k yes <laughs> yeah yes okay and what partying were you doing were you like going raves going after parties yeah raves Just gonna use the toilet go for it after parties um yeah everything i was young yeah so it was fun yeah yeah and what drugs were you getting into? GHB, ecstasy, cocaine. Yeah. Um, I didn't like K. That's too much. Was um, it the first time in your life you'd done all these? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. So what was your first experience on K? I, oh, I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it at all. I was in a hole, in a K hole. Yeah. That wasn't fun. I didn't like things like that, I guess. Can you describe your K hole, what it felt like? I was like, why does anybody think this is fun? I couldn't talk. I was paralyzed, really. So, and it lasted 30 minutes too long, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so out of all the club drugs, which did you prefer back then? Ecstasy, definitely. It was a lot of fun. Can you remember your first time on E? I don't remember. <laughs> it might have lasted three or four days. Wow. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, I like this. I'm just going to eat more and have some more and keep eating it and four days later into it <laughs> it's pretty fun where were the raves at warehouses and like in the desert or in la so did you go to the ice house i did yeah i can went you, to the can ice you describe house. what the ice house was like i remember walking in there for the first time it was really dark and just everybody in there dancing and having a good time oblivious with their glow sticks and <laughs> it was pretty fun um just the music was so loud you couldn't hear but everybody was in their own world and i was like yeah i can, I can do this this is fun 
I liked it. Because there's a lot of different rooms, wasn't there? Yeah. And there was usually a different style of music in each room. Mm -hmm. Which of the rooms did you prefer with your musical taste? Um, I liked the European music, like the the techno and um, the DJ music, of course, because that's who was so closely associated with a lot of DJs. So their music. <laughs> and which DJs actually played at these raves? Do you remember any of them? Like um, our local DJs in Arizona. RC. RC Lowe. <laughs> yeah. Was he Canadian, um, I think? Yeah, he was Canadian. He's back in Canada. He was a character. And um, Gary. Gary Menicello. Yeah. That was another one of the um, co-defendants who was arrested <laughs> in the first 13. Wasn't he in the big 13, Gary? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like Z Trip, I guess. Um, Z Trip. He he went on to get be huge. Yeah, he? he's huge. Um, Salas, Pete Salas. Oh, Pete's Supermix Salas, um, original DJ out of Chupa, the Works Club. I mean, Pete Supermix Salas was like he was like one of the founding fathers yeah. of the house and dance music scene in. Arizona. So huge shout out to Pete Supermix Salas. We were talking, weren't we, about Chupa? Oh, yeah, yeah. How did you find Chupa, La? I love Chupa. Was, what, what was Chupa? It was just like a little pub, wasn't it, really? It's like a room, a long room, not a warehouse-sized room, where DJ Eddie Amador, I think he lived like next door or something. It had this, like, it was really dingy and dark and the toilet was always overflowing. I think there was a drive-by shooting and a raver got shot dead there. And then the smoke cloud would come and you'd just be dancing in the smoke cloud and there'd be like, there'd be like trans people, <laughs> Native American prostitutes, uh, club kids, ravers, drag queens. But it was old school, wasn't it? It was like back, back, back in the yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. We were just at the point where we are asking Angel about um, which Arizona DJ she preferred. All right, it's got to be um, I don't, I don't know. So, not, not DJ Meal, though. Not Emil, though. He's in there. <laughs> Shout out to Emil. We did have some fun times. First ever time I saw DJ Meal, it was at Dorian Anthony's house, and he's spraying on the wall. I love a meal in big letters on the wall. The tall guy, I liked him. Tall Paul. Tall Paul. <laughs> and um, that one, the one we always used to argue with Sherwin. Um, corrupt. He was tall, tall too, very skinny. Oh, and he was he played hardcore, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Isn't his name Sean as well? Larson. Oh, that's Sean it. Larson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, he was a laugh as well. She so said, "Swell," which was a music rave clothing store, mm -hmm. which I had some interaction with back then. I, I did invest in some of the parties. They're doing a reunion on Thanksgiving. Wow! So everybody, all the DJs we just mentioned are going to be there. Emil, <laughs> Solace, Z Trip. The rabbit. <laughs> um, yeah, because the rabbit ADD. rabbit worked for Swell, didn't he? Uh, they're all going to be there. They've all RSVP'd. I, I've Corrupt and Gary even. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, I think Gary is going to be yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, man. Pity we can't go. Should we sneak back in through Mexico? 
That's not worth it. That's not worth the risk. Not worth the 10 years in prison? No. No, it's not. But so, it will be a good night. Will that be a crystal meth three night? I don't know. Maybe everybody's a little too old for that. Their I don't think people will be getting that, that high. I think they'll be probably drinking. They'll all have bellies and stuff, will they? <laughs> bellies and children and yeah. things like that. <laughs> so you get you got deeper into the party scene. Yeah. Like what was what's your craziest party story? Uh <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot, maybe. Um, maybe at my house I had some tranny friends and you know, we'd pass out it was free E for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Courtesy of a friend of mine. <laughs> Not my E, Sammy the Bull's E. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so those were pretty fun. And then everybody, yeah, just coming over after. Parties going on for two and three days. Maybe moving it to the next city. That's, yeah. I don't miss it, you know. I haven't had one in a while. Do you want to do one later on that? Experiment. I work in drugs education, but I'll have you now. <laughs> yes, but you've got to experiment. You, you can't tell these people that it's bad if you haven't done one in a while. Though. I think the amount of times I did it is enough for me to remember how it felt. Okay, but but thank you for being so concerned. But I just thought I'd put it out there. <laughs> you said you went and partied in LA. Yeah, I think you and your girlfriend came up. Um, was that the like, New Year's Eve? That was the last. Oh my God! We saw Sasha and Jiggly. Sasha and uh, Paul Van Dyke. Yeah, Paul Van Dyke. My the big friend. clock in the stadium. Right. Yeah, in LA. That was the last big party yes. I went before the SWAT team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went up there to stay with my friend Jeannie. That was New Year's Eve, two thousand and one, two thousand and two. Um, you and your girlfriend at the time came up as well. We went to go see Sasha, Paul Van Dyke. Somehow we. Ended up in the VIP section. <laughs> <laughs> Still listen to Sasha yeah. to this day. Love it. Love a nice Sasha track. That was fun. When me and Peter first started raving in this country, Sasha was just like a local DJ and Carl oh, Cox. Yeah, Sasha and Carl. And all, Cox. all the flyers were just pushing Sasha and Carl Cox, and then they went bam all over the world. Yeah, they're major. Yeah, his, his tickets at the time. I mean, it must be a fortune now, but at the time they were like fifteen quid to go and see him. Which is like twenty two dollars. Yeah, now yeah. it's like hundreds of dollars. Yeah, yeah, if you can get a ticket. I had all my flyers from those raves we went in England in like the late nineteen eighties, and fucking Tempe police took them all as evidence oh. used against me. Had a really good flyer collection. I did have an ecstasy pill collection somewhere, but they never found that. <laughs> there was about two or three hundred different pills in it. All the, oh, different, the different presses. presses. Yeah, yeah. What was the best one? I don't remember. It certainly wasn't Donald McDuck. <laughs> <laughs> remember them? The ducks? Yeah. Were they the ones that they did of the fake, um, what was it? The doves? It was the ones that um, our friend brought back in um, big pill canisters and actually got stopped at the border. And they looked at the pill canisters and they were like, supposed to be for steroids. And he just looked and seen them all and just took a letter through. Remember that? That happened a few times, didn't it? Apart from the ones that got abandoned in Mexico. But they were pretty weak. They were like... Oh, MTVs? Yeah, yeah. 
They, they got lost in Hermosillo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that shipment going down in flames. Yeah, yeah. So what was like the most drug intake you did? I don't know. Because <laughs> me and him were doing like 20, 30 pills a weekend, which is daft. It's just showing off because you can only get so high off ecstasy. I know. Maybe like 13 pills and some GHB. Well, you'd need 13 of the Bulls pills to get high, wouldn't you, really? Equivalent to one of mine. Oh, my God. <laughs> joke. <laughs> oh, have you heard it? Fuck you, Al's fire. I, I didn't. Those colored wanker pills. Can't yeah, you remember? I know. They tried to gang press me into distributing them. And I said, we're getting quality beige presses out of Holland. Good reputation. Why do I want your colored pills? And then the goon got all pissed off. One call to fucking Sammy the Ball. We can have you taken out to the desert. Do you remember him, the big one? And the yeah, we won't throw the names out there. <laughs> <laughs> the glitter boy. Yes, the big glitter boy. Yes, yes. <laughs> Timestamp that, please. Timestamp that. <laughs> you big punts. <laughs> <laughs> Scott's one of Scottsdale's finest. Yes. His shiny shirt and his shiny oh, hair. Oh, yeah, shiny shirts. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so what did you think about the people who were dealing for Sammy the Bull? I thought they were posers. Um, it's a lot of talk and not really knowing what they're doing. <laughs> did they have a certain dress style? Yeah. Um, shiny shirts, right? Yeah. Shiny shirts. Um, they looked like frat boys, I guess. Well, leopard print. Yeah. Um, Likes a GM. Just. Handsome Mark. Yeah. <laughs> you can't use his real name, La. It's not surname, La. Oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I thought they looked like posers. I didn't think they posed any type of threat. All talk. Do you think the rabbit could arm wrestle them down? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There was the odd one that could sell a bit, but at this time he was working with Sean, and Sean must have taught him how to do it. And then they went over to the, that was uh, Chris Rock. Oh, yeah. He, he, was he, getting, he, he flipped sides as well, didn't he? Yeah, he was getting rid of a few thousand at the time. But the majority of them are just posers. They just went out there looking good, you know what I mean? So our mutual friend's ex, Handsome Mark, the girl who had infiltrated Sammy Bull's house, mm-hmm. her ex, Handsome Mark, mm-hmm. he got pulled over. He took money from one of our customers, Mindy, and then he went to the Bulls people and got pulled over and the, the, the cops took all of his pills. So we had no pills, the money spent, and he goes and tells Mindy, I've got nothing for you. And then Wildman had to get involved in that situation. Yeah, I had to get it back. <laughs> <laughs> Politely, right? Of course. I think a knuckle ended up in a... A tooth ended up in a knuckle, let's put it that way. Yes, it's that one, though. So, do you regret anything? Do you look back with nostalgia? How do you think about those party days? Um, I look back with nostalgia. 
I, I think I had a good time growing up. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. It Regrets meeting you, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear that part of the story. <laughs> I She's being too just, polite to say no, so. I thought I was just having a good time growing up, and I look back at it fondly, just nostal- with nostalgia, yeah. And how's your life now? It's great. And you enjoying England? I love England. It's great. It's I'd first like to time come back. Here. First time here, and I'd come back. We what? all looked after one another, didn't we? We did. We were like a family. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What have you done in England so far? All the touristy things. Um, Stonehenge, Bath. Was Stonehenge with the rocks as big as you imagined? No. It's always Every, bigger on TV, everybody right? Everybody thinks that when yeah. they see it. Like, Just like the it? Statue of Liberty, they it always appears larger on television than in real life. Yeah. Um. And oh. it was aliens what brought them over. That's right. No human could have carried I them. I agree. Get it right, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was the aliens, just like with the pyramids. Yeah. Other than teaming up with Wildman to pick on me, what's been your best thing you've done in England so far? Um, just being in, just being here. Just being here. Yeah. The people are really great. Very polite. Everybody's really nice. Uh, and, it's, the, and the little car's a bit claustrophobic. No. I feel really safe here. <laughs> Unlike no, the, no cops with guns on every street corner. Yeah, the Pull cops are trying to shoot me. And Where's your weed at? <laughs> I know you've got cannabis. Hassle me. I can't believe that. She's actually on about London. Look, yeah. <laughs> she'd come up Liverpool, she'd feel she'd get a proper North welcome, you know what I mean? <laughs> you bastards don't even talk on the fucking train down here. Oh, yeah, it's because in like the northern towns, they're really, really friendly, way more friendly than in the south because everyone's so busy in the south, they're keeping themselves themselves more. It's like you're walking, so like you're having a morning walk. People say, oh, good morning, love you, all right? Lovely weather, all the stuff. In the north? Little chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Call you love. You got to buy the newspaper. Which newspaper would you like, love? That's a pound, love. <laughs> Thanks, love. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. Uh, I like it. I'd come back. You'd come back. Yes. Brilliant. And to all the people who are watching this video, is there anything you would like to say to them in conclusion? Uh, we were just having a good time growing up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was fun. We didn't think we were doing any crying whatsoever. It was Every what all kids do, just having a good time. So, on that note, then if you've enjoyed this video, please put your comments and messages in the description box below. Angel will probably read them and enjoy your feedback. <laughs> if you have not yet subscribed, we appreciate all your subscriptions. Subscription box, bottom right hand corner of this video. Thank you to all the new subs that have shot up over 300,000 um, in the last couple of weeks. If you have donated to the production of the True Crime Podcast at this high level in a studio, huge thank you to all people who've donated via Patreon, PayPal, Just Giving. Those links are in the description box below the video. If you want to watch Wildman's playlist or all the other True Crime Podcasts, they're down there. Plus all the merch. I've got 13 books published right now. You've got Wildman t-shirts. We're going to reorder some of those. My new book is out in time for Christmas. It's called Clinton, Bush, and CIA Conspiracies. From the boys on the tracks to Jeffrey Epstein. Wildman's favorite word. And it's available right now worldwide on ebook and paperback. And the audio book will be up soon. So Please buy it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you very much for coming on. You Thanks do know the so Arizona much. prison handshake, don't you? I do. A lot of the other guests don't. There well, we go. See, proof I remember, right there. I know. <laughs> Great work. Excellent. Thank you very much. Yes. Thanks for having me. Oh, clear. <sighs> Peter wouldn't hire a fly. No. <laughs> Has hair loss ever impacted your Tuesday afternoon? Made you want to skip that client lunch and eat at your desk? Regain can help. Regain foam is scientifically proven to help stop and even reverse hereditary hair loss, giving you the confidence to wow those clients. Regain for men extra strength scalp foam. Available at lloydspharmacy.com. Contains minoxidil. Always read the label.